1: right?
0: Welcome back to all the students of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon and I'm here with Mims. How are you?
1: Doing great. Just another week and it's in the 40s this week rather than below zero. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to get like 43 to 45 on Thursday. So like fall weather for us
0: be nice yeah it i did a really not great job of shoveling because i was sick <laughs> <laughs> oh right i have a very small
1: path We think it's so fun and some the snow could melt snow yeah melt. yeah i think it's gonna happen for sure
0: i was outside like i am totally like independent single female right now mm-hmm. the snow came and i was like help <laughs>
1: The after all. <laughs> yeah, I totally get you. I shoveled because I work from home, and yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get ahead of this. So I shoveled because our blower is like out. I need to get that thing. So I was out there, and I got windburn. Oh my god. Yeah, like on the side of my face, it looked like like it itched so bad, and like. I, I would put, like, an ointment on, and it would sting really bad, and I just got it healed. It was crazy. It's I know. Like, this is my old shovel. Shoveling <laughs> <yeah. laughs> is terrible. Yeah, I don't think i mind minded so much if my snowboard worked. But, I mean, doing uh-huh. it by hand, like, I busted my back. I got that <laughs> raft. Like I'm literally 80 years old. (laughs) I was just gonna say you are too young for your back to hurt. Yeah, it hurt like for three days straight. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Oh man, you need to work out those, target those back muscles. I really do. I think that I just have really bad posture and like, I I don't know, I did something bad and I I didn't do it the right way. Yeah. No, I feel that when I'm shoveling too. From like not need like proper shoveling techniques. Yeah. (laughs) If somebody can teach us proper shoveling techniques, that would be great because I I don't own that. (laughs) Mm. All right, girl. I think you are up.
0: Okay. So the other day I was talking to my daughter and she said, "Why don't you do stockings?" Ooh, yes. I
1: love a good stocking.
0: Yeah. So I was like, Oh, I think you're right. I never talk about stocking. Yeah. I love a good stocking case.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she was like, Mom, I was talking about Christmas stockings. But yeah, you can talk about stocking on your podcast. I was just asking you why you didn't hang up stockings. Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I would have thought that too, though. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm yeah. with you on that. Uh,
0: yeah, I was like, I went on this whole tangent about how I love stocking cases, and she's just looking at me like, we're not in the same conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my gosh.
0: So here we are today. I'm going to talk about a stocking case. Okay. So on October 15th, 2019, um, former attorney Matthew R. Meyer was charged with substantial battery with intent to do bodily harm, threats to communicate derogatory info, intimate victim, damaging of property, um, and stalking, all felonies.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. So making this case more interesting was the fact that Matthew was a criminal defense attorney. He was a partner at a firm in Milwaukee. And this firm had recently handled some really high-profile cases, and it seems like all of this had kind of gone to his head and made him think he was above the law. Okay. So after the charges were filed, Matthew's actions became a hot topic in the media, of course, because of his status. Right. And All the headlines were talking about how he was using his position to intimidate and stalk his girlfriend. So let's go into the details. Matthew had been in an on and off relationship with HS. I don't have her actual name. We're just going to use her initials because of the nature of the crime. During this time, HS had attempted to end the relationship with him numerous times, but she was coerced into remaining in the relationship. I hate that. is fucking horrible. Yeah. In October of 2017, the couple (laughs) had been dating for about nine months when HS decided she wanted out of the relationship. And this is likely due to an incident that was described in the criminal complaint against Matthew. This said in October of 2017, HS was walking home from a bar being escorted by a male friend when Matthew showed up and began following them yelling slurs and eventually pushing the friend when they were on the bridge near Pittsburgh Ave and Water Street in Milwaukee. So They're just walking back from the bars and he just pretty much was attacking her friend. And then she tried to end the relationship, but Matthew was not ready to let her go. And then this, most of this information is coming from the opinion brief that was filed in the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So, Attorney Meyer subsequently engaged in a pattern of conduct aimed at HS to cause her to believe that he would ruin her life, make acts of violence against her and her family and her friends, damage her property, interfere with her future relationships, and leave her without a job or money.
1: Yeah, that sounds like something that would happen when you date somebody with a certain level of power,
0: Yeah, even if they, sometimes I feel it's like they say they have more power than they have. Mm -hmm. Because what power do you actually have as a defense attorney? I mean, you might have some money, you might know some people here and there. You might get a little bit less charges when something happens. But at the end of the day, it's not like he's a judge. Right, yeah. But he just like exaggerates the power that he has to the point that People
1: around him believe it. And I've sure. seen you know, other attorneys do
0: this too.
1: And they may think like they, or they may impress upon the person that they know more about the law and like what they're, what they can skirt around or it's, or like maybe their status and who they know. Um, maybe mm-hmm. they like, oh, like I know this judge and like they would never do anything like, you know, I don't know. Just yeah. Well, in his
0: case, as a prominent defense attorney, He had a lot of criminals that owed him favors.
1: Oh, okay.
0: What he was saying. I know a lot of dangerous people who owe me a lot of favors. Ooh,
1: that is not that's a that's a bad threat for sure. Uh, Yeah, definitely. The thing just
0: wait until you hear some of the things he said. Okay. So after he made all these threats, they get back together. Mm Mm-hmm. And then on April 14th of 2018, they got into an argument at Matthew's apartment and Matthew punched HS in the face, resulting in a concussion and facial bruising significant enough for her to miss approximately two weeks of work.
1: Oh, oh God.
0: That was really bad. Seriously. At the time of this incident, Matthew and H.S. had separate apartments, but they lived in the same building.
1: Okay. I mean, that's really close. Yeah.
0: So she left his apartment, went back to her apartment, and called the police. Mm -hmm. When the police arrived, she told them that she did not want to press charges because she feared him. But this is the part where maybe his status did play a part because... Why was he not charged? This is not how the law works in Wisconsin. Victims Mm -hmm. don't get to decide if they press charges or not. The state does. Mm -hmm. In any other domestic case, the person's going to jail. Right. So I'm not sure why he didn't go to jail, but he didn't. Following this incident, Matthew made unwelcome and persistent phone calls to hs on one occasion he made at over 120 calls in one day and she was employed as a physician's assistant and she was required to keep her phone on at all times so she couldn't just turn the phone off and ignore him and he knew this Mm -hmm. oh wow there's nothing she could do to get away from him apparently he sent her hundreds of unwelcome email messages. He made threatened threats to harm her and would appear at her apartment unannounced since they lived in the same building and just refused to leave. And then again, on March 2nd of 2019, Matthew threatened HS with violence in her own apartment and she ran and barricaded herself in the bathroom Oh wow. And for some reason, you can lock the bathroom from the outside, which I don't understand. But he locked her in the bathroom. And she called the police. And she had said it was really hard to get it unlocked from the inside, but she was able to free herself before the police got there. And again told police she did not want to press charges because she was afraid. Mm -hmm. Which I feel so bad for her she's been trying to leave this relationship since 2017. It should not be this hard. It should not be, but it is sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. And then Matthew threatened to send negative information about HS to her employer, to her family and friends, and the news media if she did not perform various tasks for him. Okay. These tasks included payments of debts he claimed that she owed him. He forced her to reveal intimate details of her relationships with others and to have sex with him.
1: Ooh, 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 ooh. okay, you're 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 talking about prostitution, borderline sex trafficking. What are you doing?
0: He's a terrible terrible person. Yes. Then in June of 2019, she'd had enough again and tried to break up with him, and she cut off all communication. So on June 23rd, Matthew followed HS into the underground parking garage of her apartment. At this time, she had moved out of the apartment building, got in a Dad. different apartment, and he was still following her to her new apartment building. So he found her in the parking garage and he opened the door to her car and yelled at her and poured his energy drink on her car. And she called the police again. Mm -hmm. Again, nothing happened. Right. And during the end, at the end of the relationship, Matthew continued to communicate his intent to harm HS by using criminal defendants to enact violence on her family And any men that he believed she had been intimate with. So, of course, since he's a fucking asshole, he assumes she's sleeping with other people. Probably everybody she even talks to. So he's threatening them. He's threatening her family. He's threatening her. He's threatening to have the firm's private investigator follow her. And threatening to sue her for $20,000 because... I guess she posted a negative Google reveal of him.
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and like you guessed, he repeatedly told her he was insulated from legal consequences because of his position as a criminal defense attorney.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's not fucking true. Let me tell you, criminal defense attorneys can show all the (laughs) time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, anybody gets in trouble. Yeah, Yeah, even judges get in trouble. Like, they get you know oh, yeah. publicly reprimanded privately reprimanded they could you know like disbarred they it just it there is consequences if you can prove something was done
0: yeah definitely so on october tw- not october august 23rd of 2019 hs broke up with matthew for the last time good During an argument in Matthew's apartment, he grabbed HS by the back of her head and covered her mouth with his other hand and told her to shut up. She tried to call 911, but Matthew broke her phone by smashing it to the ground, and then he pushed her, and she fell and injured her elbow. So then she left. And then after this, she received hundreds of text and email messages from Matthew despite asking him to cease all communication with her. And then, so when the DA did their criminal investigation, they found an extremely high number of calls to her from blocked numbers in rapid succession, including phone numbers that were listed to Matthew. Mm -hmm. On October 8th, 2019 she received 68 calls from blocked or spooked numbers 41 whatsapp text messages 12 whatsapp phone video calls and 12 emails from matthew by using spoof card he was able to call and send her messages that appeared to be sent from other numbers in her contact list such as her friends and family
1: oh my god mm-hmm. like she's psychotic app- he's so horrible i was reading this like what the
0: fuck Mm -hmm. yep so bad and on numerous occasions he threatened to damage and then he actually did damage her vehicle on october 4th of 2019 she received emails and texts from matthew saying like you need to go look at your car you shouldn't drive your car with it like that and then, is- so she went to see what was wrong with her car and she had a flat tire and dents on the passenger side of her vehicle. So he slashed her tire. Mm. And she reported this incident to the police as well. And then Matthew told her that he had a key to her apartment and she had never given
1: him one. Oh my so
0: God. They were rising her. Oof. Then... On October 6th of 2019, he sent her a photo of the screen on his laptop showing an email that he had drafted that appeared to be sent from her father's email address. So he's making a fake email to look like it's from her dad. Oh my God. Yeah. And in the email, he says that HS had violated... HIPAA policies by discussing confidential patient information in public and claimed that he, being her father, had an audio recording of this. And then text messages sent from Matthew to HS threatened to send the email to her employer if she did not give in to his demands.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And
0: he did, in fact, send the email to her
1: employer. Ooh.
0: And the email indicated that H.S.'s father desired to meet with the employer to turn over the audio recording in which she allegedly discussed confidential p- case information in public, but no recording like that ever actually existed.
1: Uh, yeah, obviously.
0: You're just like, I don't even understand. How is he even taking care of his clients while he's doing all of this?
1: Well, he's not. <laughs> he's not. He's just, this like, is his like, life. He's completely out of control. Yeah. This is his life. no
0: time to do anything else.
1: No, he does this all day and then he goes home and sleeps and then that's it. That's just the cycle. When it's this it's much of bad. an obsession, it's just all consuming. So fucking unhealthy. So bad.
0: So after Matthew had been charged, and he was going through court, he got his own defense attorney, and his defense attorney created a settlement offer and a packet of documents to give to the assistant district attorney that was prosecuting and this packet included character reference letters. The ADA rejected his settlement offer. He's like, I don't care about you being an attorney. <laughs> So when the ADA rejected it, he also sent the same packet of documents to the actual district attorney and the deputy
1: chief
0: One of the reference letters in the packet said that it was from Sergio Rodriguez, who worked at Matthew's apartment building. And another one was supposedly from Noah Taylor, a friend of Matthew's. In criminal investigation, Concluded that these two character letters that were supposedly authored by Rodriguez and Taylor had been in fact fabricated by Attorney Meyer.
1: Surprise, surprise. He just
0: cannot help himself.
1: Yeah, he is like just trying to see what he can get away with at this point. Yeah.
0: So Rodriguez and Taylor both denied writing letters on his behalf. Like, no, did not write a letter for this cycle. <laughs> and so as part of a final plea agreement, the state agreed not to issue bail jumping charges for obstruction based on these letters. Like, okay, so we'll write this one off. and pleased with these other ones. So well, on June twenty fourth of twenty twenty. He pled guilty to felony charges of threatening to communicate derogatory information and stalking and then the substantial battery and intimidation of victim charges were dismissed. On June, uh, July 30th, 2020, he was sentenced to 18 months of initial confinement and two years of extended supervision, but this sentence was stayed. And this was for the communicating derogatory information charge the stalking charge, he was sentenced to one year of straight time in the house of now
1: correction.
0: So straight time means he can't get any good time. But I don't think one year is good enough. No, absolutely not. He's not seen her for two, so he should got at least two. I feel like
1: not enough people have had had be stalked themselves, so if they don't know the gravity of the situation or the mental toll that it takes on a person. And they just think, oh, well, that's annoying. But then you could you could block them, but then they called on, you know, like different numbers or you know, just their work phone. Their work phone, you know, as people do. (laughs) And they just they really just try to find every single way possible to get to that person. And Mm -hmm. they do it by any means. And unless you've been through it, you think that it's not a big deal. But it is. Like, you just don't feel safe. Yeah. It's horrible. Mm
0: -hmm. So, fortunately, his punishment didn't end with his jail time. Due to the charges against him, a complaint was filed with the OLR, or the Office of Lawyer Regulation. And they determine if you can keep your law license or not. That's basically what they make sure that attorneys do what they're supposed to do right and they said no you're not doing what you're supposed to do because you're psycho Mm -hmm. so the person initially working on this came to an agreement to suspend Matthew's law license for two years and he also had to undergo substance abuse counseling domestic abuse counseling and some other therapy and they wanted him to get a psychological exam before being readmitted to the bar Mm -hmm, as he should be Right. So once an agreement like this is reached, then the Wisconsin Supreme Court has to accept the settlement. You can't just make it up. They have the ultimate say on if people get to keep their license or not. And they were like, no, this is not, two years is not good enough. Good. You are a terrible person. Yes. So they revoked his license. Boom. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you get your license revoked, you can petition for the return of your license after five years have passed. And he still has to meet all the other qualifications of therapy, but he doesn't have to get an extra psychological exam because they're like, if you're going to all these therapy, they're going to know if you're good enough to practice or not. But oh, they have their work cut out for them.
1: Yeah. That's a lot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't imagine no I hope that um the woman that was subjected to all this is okay and um that he's not sneaking around like still trying to get to her and that she moved somewhere sunny because she deserves <laughs> somewhere yeah. sunny yeah yeah
0: that's true too I don't know
1: I would straight up leave if this is like the intensity that I was getting at, like I've experienced stalking and like this type of behavior, I think at like a three and one to 10, no matter what is still uncomfortable and unsafe and whatever. But that was like a a nine, maybe an eight and a half. Yeah. So I would have dipped. Me too. Especially, I don't have any kids or anything. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I
0: don't know, yeah, because that's a lot.
1: yeah, I would like get a new haircut, go go to a beach somewhere and just forget about old me. <laughs> and c- you could come back in a few months and hopefully he moved on. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing like that's what worries me is that he probably did move on to somebody else because that's mm-hmm. not you can't just change that type of mindset. Yeah. I wonder what he's doing for an income. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. Probably tripping. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what disbarred or (laughs) revoked attorneys do, but I mean, that's That's always an option, I guess.
0: And he, he got suspended in 2020, I think. He'd only been a lawyer for a maybe eight years so that's a lot of student loans to pay for without having your law license ooh, ooh, yeah attorneys need to think about these things it's not you can lose your license and you still owe all this money and you lose all that income especially if you're like a higher-end defense attorney you make a lot of money
1: yeah for sure well I mean that's what you get for being a psycho I don't yeah. feel bad me
0: either not at all I was very proud of the Wisconsin Supreme Court for being like no we're just gonna take your license
1: yeah I was thinking to myself like way to go Supreme Court damn they they don't often do things that I like but I know (laughs) (laughs) this
0: time they did
1: (laughs) yeah okay well great job thank you I love those type of stories If any of you guys have ever experienced anything remotely close to that or very similar to that, we would love to hear it if you are ready and willing. Yeah. Okay. I am going to do the Hunt's 4th of July murders. Um, This was a sinner suggestion and I think a lot of people may know this story, but I figured that our Wisconsin-based podcast has to cover this. Um, it is an infamous story. Like this story has been told across many different platforms. And if you don't know, you're going to be in the know today. Do you know? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like you do. Um, <laughs> and I'm Maybe sure Maybe once you start telling it. Let me know which point that is if you do recall this story, because i honestly okay. think that many people know this story okay so i got my sources from ranker uh Wausau daily herald kirkus reviews wsaw and the facebook page called the Kunz family murders and that's k-u-n-z So July 5th, 1987 was a dark day for Kenny Kunz as he entered his family home to find four of his family members dead and that included oh and his mother Helen Kunz nowhere to be found um so basically dead bodies in his house mom is nowhere in the house. Um, As he looked at his deceased family, he saw that they had been shot to death at a close range to their heads. Um, Later, it was discovered that they were murdered with a .22 caliber rifle. Helen was not found immediately. However, a long month, or nine months, she was found in a swamp with a bullet wound to her head. Um, Which was kind of bizarre to me because... Obviously, she was murdered, but why was she removed? Was she removed before she was killed and, you know, like, taken to this area? Was she removed after and just disposed? But then why would you dispose only one body? You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. So here's what the theory was on how these murders happened a 21-year-old farmer was considered a prime suspect in these murders, and here is why. On the evening of July 4th, 1987, Christopher Jacobs III is said to have stopped by the Kuntz family farm near Wausau um, to buy a car from Randy Kuntz. Apparently, the two had gone into a fight, and Christopher allegedly began shooting. The next morning, Clarence Kuntz, age 76, Irene, age 81, Marie, age 72, and Randy, age 30, were found dead. <clears throat> and then let's just talk about the family tree for a second. So Clarence, Irene, Marie, and Helen were all siblings, and Randy and Kenny were Helen's sons. Okay. Okay. As I mentioned before, Kenny Kunz then discovered his family's bodies throughout the house and I can walk you guys through the layout of how the bodies were found. So Marie was found in the entryway while Randy's body was found in the kitchen. Clarence had been in his bedroom and Irene was found sitting in an armchair. So they were all spread out and just kind of like To me, how can one person do that unless they're they're just like living their lives and like not trying to run or I don't know like it does all this whole case doesn't make any sense to me but we'll get into it. So during the investigations authorities were walking through the crime scene of the home and discovered a lot of odd and just downright disturbing things like that the Kuntz's home had no indoor plumbing and their only source of heat was a single wood-burning stove. And investigators also reportedly found trash and filth throughout the home. And the home was almost like in a squatters type hoarder state. Mm. Um, Even though the family lacked a lot of important amenities and cleanliness, they did own a TV and a VCR. So, I mean, some things were more important than the others, I guess. Yeah. So, the family home was described as ramshackled and unkept, and it was sitting on 108 acres of land located six miles from town. So, it's a really big plot, really. Yeah. Um, despite their living conditions, cash was found throughout the home amounting to $20,000. And this is the '80s, so I mean, more than twenty thousand dollars laying around, but no running water. Exactly, exactly. Okay. In addition to that, there was something sinister found in their home, which was an extensive library of sexual, sexually explicit videotapes and magazines. And having porn in your home isn't terrible. Porn is normal, I guess. But the circumstances that may have happened in the home were kind of terrible. Um, Police believe that the cunts has watched adult films as a family.
0: What the fuck?
1: (laughs) This, yeah, (laughs) I did not like that part. I don't like a lot of parts of this, so. um. This theory was partially corroborated by a statement Helen, the mother, made to a store clerk a few weeks prior to her disappearance. So while purchasing an electric toaster, I mean, you can have no heat, but an electric toaster is very important. She mentioned that she was angry with her family for watching dirty movies. Um, and as the that store clerk, I would have been really incredibly disturbed and annoyed with you know the amount of information provided while I was at work and I've worked retail to me all the time <laughs> I worked retail before and people would just tell me their business and their dirty laundry and I'm just like I'm really just trying to help you find a top right now and I don't want to be a part of this so
0: <laughs>
1: yeah I don't know what it is about
0: being in retail that people just tell you everything
1: yeah it's really annoying so if you go around doing that don't because we don't want it no so I also have to add more gross details on the inner workings of this family it was believed that Kenny's own father was his uncle Clarence Helen's brother oh Kenny, yeah just it's gross Kenny because
0: told huh. I guess that's why they're watching porn together.
1: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> God. Kenny told investigators of observing his mother and his uncle having sex and the murdered Randy. Um I'm sorry. And that Randy was known to share his mother's bed as well. Oh no like incest why i just don't get it no i don't understand and i don't understand a whole family being in on it like come on just so sickening yeah Um, apparently it was randy watching a, a porn that prompted helen to complain to a local merchant that she could kill them all because of it and I'm just thinking to myself like really the worst of your problems is that they're watching tv and not the fact that you're sharing a bed with your son and you're having sex with your brother like that's that's like I don't know it's a very disturbing family yeah so an interesting tidbit that investigators later learned was that the Kunzes were known for always paying bills with cash and never letting anyone inside their home So just very private, almost like they didn't want people to see within. Uh, Neighbors stated that the family only spoke to others when spoken to and largely kept to themselves. Uh, Police also noted that whoever murdered the family clearly didn't know about the massive amounts of cash stashed throughout the house, meaning that the deaths may not have been burglary driven because I think right. to myself, if you're going to go around murdering people, why wouldn't you go through the house and grab whatever you can that's of value that didn't yeah. happen? Um, so here's another peculiar piece of evidence. A few weeks before the murders, Helen Kuntz, uh purchased a 22, um, 22 bullets, and that's the very same type of ammo that was used for the murders from the local Wheeler hardware store. During a conversation with the clerk, Helen said that the bullets were for her son, who was going to kill some pesky blackbirds on their property. So, Hmm. it wasn't said that these were the exact bullets or whatever, but that was just something to add in there.
0: And 22 bullets, I don't feel like, are generally used for murders.
1: They're so tiny. Uh... Okay, so this information sparked the theory that Helen may have killed herself, or I'm sorry, not herself, her family, Um, but let us not forget that Helen herself wound up dead in a swamp, so I just, I don't know, I don't know how that could have been possible, because then who got to her, you know what I mean? Yeah. So let's go further down the rabbit hole. Anna and Ignatz Kunz were the parents of Helen, Irene, Clarence, and Marie. They had experienced a similar trauma earlier on in their marriage. So let's go back to December of 1905. They were living with Ignace's mother, Mary, in a home in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. And one night, Anna, the mother returned home from work to discover that Ignace's brother Wenzel had bludgeoned Mary, the grandmother, to death in her bed. So basically, it was, yeah, just a whole bunch of bloodbaths in this family. So Wenzel was then sent to a mental hospital where another cunt's brother was already a patient. So... Just a lot of things happening in this family and this makes me feel like maybe the incest may have not been just within the Helen and Clarence and Randy because I don't know like
0: yeah what I, so I was wondering too like is has this been going on yeah in other generations that they think it's just normal now
1: yeah So Ignace and Anna then took their kids and moved to Athens, Wisconsin. Um, So let's jump back to Christopher Jacobs who was initially suspected for the murders as he had previously interacted with some of the Kuntz's or the Kuntz's regarding the purchase of a vehicle. So Christopher was one of the few non-family members to ever interact with the family, which made him the prime suspect. Also kind of just wrong place, wrong time, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Christopher went to trial in 1989 and the prosecution showed footage from the crime scene, including the bodies of the family and their filthy living conditions. The prosecution's prime piece of evidence was a set of tire tracks at the home that matched Jacob's truck. Um, But that makes sense because he was there to buy a vehicle. Right. Right. Uh, Christopher also owned several 22 caliber weapons of the sort used in the murders, and police found shells that matched those that killed the Kunces as well. Helen's body surfaced near Christopher's family's farm, so there's some pieces to this puzzle that pointed in Christopher's direction, but all of the evidence was circumstantial also the murder weapon was never found so the shelves for found couldn't have been tied to the weapon so that didn't lead to anything right eventually the stories and rumors surrounding the prince's private life overshadowed the trial since that was brought up throughout i mean you can't really gloss over incest i guess no um after only a few hours of deliberation the jury found Jacob or Christopher Jacobs III not guilty some believe that the Kansass family eccentric nature if you want to call it that had something to do with the verdict however, since he was acquitted of the homicides prosecutors could not change or I'm sorry could not charge him again with the death so they couldn't do like double jeopardy mm-hmm um prosecutors didn't want to let it go though as we know that that happens often and they charged christopher with kidnapping of helen and that's why supposedly she was removed because he kidnapped her and you know brought her to the swamp murdered her went back murdered the but they didn't try him for the murders just the kidnapping so during Jacob's second trial, one of his ex-girlfriends testified that he confessed to killing the family. Christopher always maintained his innocence, and in the letter to the court, he stated police coerced his former girlfriend into lying. Um, he said that he fears police in Marathon, Marathon County, and he was quoted to said um, would be looking to hook me up on bogus charges to justify my false imprisonment and um, quote so Christopher at the age of 53 was set to be re- so they convicted him of that sorry okay. um, and at the age of 53 he was set to be released on parole on um, February 4th 2020 Um, from columbia correctional institution but he instead ended up in the marathon county jail for a rule violation so christopher apparently did not want to be released on parole in wisconsin for fear of retaliation from police that's how fearful he was like so long after all of this happened and he was like "Uh uh so he's gotten like threats from them um so Christopher had previously petitioned a judge in 2018 to shorten his sentence so that he could leave Wisconsin once he was released and the request was denied. In 2020, Marathon County Jail Administrator Sandra Ledoux said Christopher did not even want to meet with his parole officer, refuse to sign or acknowledge the rules, and stated he would rather serve out the rest of his sentence. He was... Uh, then booked into Marathon County Jail that same day for rule violation. Um, And then he was transferred from the jail uh, to Dodge Correctional Institution. So many people still think that Christopher James III is responsible for the killings. Some people think that Helen still has something to do with it, even though she too was murdered. Um, Others are convinced that this was done by another family member that was also among the deceased um Some people think that this was just, this wasn't a one person job and that other people were involved just because of the layout of where the bodies ended up being. Yeah. Um, just thinking like you can't shoot multiple people while sitting in a chair and then one's like in the kitchen, you know, fixing things up. Like you hear that, you would think that they would start running out of the house, but you know, that's all. 22s like-
0: are really quiet. Yeah.
1: I guess I don't know I, you like, don't think you wouldn't hear I don't think you he would hear it oh yeah I don't know I don't know um so as far as Kenneth Kuntz the only surviving member of the family he died in 2001 Uh, at the age of 68 and was buried next to the rest of his family some people in the community said that he developed a drinking problem which uh, was the cause of that and just giving him poor health which is really unfortunate Um, a deeper dive was done in the book called blood relative portrait of a mass murder by crocker stevenson and there is a facebook page dedicated to this perplexing case called the cunts family murders where people go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole i mean people have threads on different posts just talking about it and some people actually like comment from the community knowing a little bit more um but i don't know if it's gossip i don't know if they actually know right off hand um so it's all speculation at this point but that is the story of the Hunts 4th of July murders which was just the weirdest story
0: in it's my a opinion. very strange story
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: very strange the whole family is strange it sounds like
1: yeah yeah. and, and like who strange killed is them. putting it lightly know. yeah <laughs> and then I don't know who killed them yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not convinced that Christopher killed them. No,
0: because it seems dumb. Like, what? why would you kill the whole family?
1: I don't know. Like, it to me... And, like, the car wasn't stolen. Right. If they got... If he was, like, upset about not getting a fair price or, like, whatever, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like this... I don't know, would have amounted a lot more with like, okay, I kill them. What can I get from the situation? Oh, I'm going to get the car or whatever or like look through their things, but none of that happened. No. It just seems like kind of angry almost and...
0: Yeah, like was Helen dating anyone at the time?
1: Nobody said anything about that and not in any of the... Besides her brother? I know. Oh God, I hate that. This is like a whole Game of Thrones situation, and I don't like it.
0: <laughs> I never watched Game of Thrones.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, basically, like one character, is there a lot main of incest on that show. One main character is fucking her brother the entire time and has his kids, and she's married to a king, and this, they all think it's that guy's, but it's not. Oh. So yes, a lot of incest does happen.
0: Interesting. I don't think I want to watch it. It's good.
1: <laughs> Just, you gotta move past the incest. I don't know if I can. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. Oh, okay. you did a great job. Thank you. I'm sure if you guys go read the book, you're going to learn far more things that I can cram into this episode. Um but it's just, it's such a crazy story. And I actually listened to this story on My Favorite Murder for the first time, like maybe like two years ago. And I was like, oh God, like this just is so crazy. And uh, like I said, this was a sinner suggestion and it like triggered my memory. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we haven't covered this. Yeah, I don't even remember hearing about it. Okay, so nothing was like, nothing caught your attention or rang any bells? no okay well I'm I'm glad I I gave you something you haven't heard of you did did a brand new story an interesting one too I know I love a good mystery yeah right okay well that is it for me yeah me too all right we love you we love you Bye. bye
0: All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love.
1: If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to, and email us your center tales at, all the sins of wi at gmail.com episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free
0: wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.